0: want to share uh, something from the Word of God with you today, not necessarily a, a Mother's Day message. We don't uh, necessarily just do things based upon a schedule or like a holidays or whatever, but we wanted to honor you. And then we are in a series right now, a journey called Sinless, where we as a church are learning who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done, the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus for us. And I just want to speak words of life to you and build up your faith, whether you're a mom or a dad or single or not single, whatever. You know, I just want to speak words of life to you. And I believe this is a word of the Lord for you today. So I'm going to dive right in here. And we're going to read from uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse uh, starting in verse uh, 12, and uh, <clears throat> going on to verse 16. So verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account." Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So those of you who have been with us, you probably know this, those of you who are not, let me just tell you kind of where we've been and... Just somewhat to review, but we've been learning really in over this last number of months, really in 2012, the Lord has been changing the way we think. He's giving us a renewed mind to see things as He sees things, to see ourselves as He sees us, and we've been learning that God is a God who is filled with jealous love, and He wants us and desires. He created us because He wants us and wants a relationship with us, and even though we are the people who have sinned and rebelled against Him, even though we as human beings have all betrayed God spiritual adultery, if you will, yet He has continued to love us and pursue us. And God wants us so much that He gave Himself, right? The, the Bible says that Jesus loved us and shed His own blood for us, gave His own life for us, laid His life down. And, and what we've learned is that His blood that was shed is sufficient. It's the cure. It's the rescue. And we've looked at this and, and um, that, 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 that because of the blood of Jesus and because we've been washed and cleansed, that we're sinless. Perfect in Christ, not because of any of our own righteousness. (laughs) I think anyone here would know that that's true, you know. But there's nothing that we could ever claim on ourselves. We just boast in Him that He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption, like I was reading earlier. That means that He's our right with Godness. He's our holiness, our purity. He is our freedom. And we've learned that literally the blood of Jesus is the purchase price for that. His blood shed for us is a sufficient cure, a sufficient price that was paid to make us perfect, to make us sinless. And yet, how did this work? We've talked about this. Like, how, how did this happen? He shed his blood. But when you and I put our faith in Jesus, and if you haven't done that, you can do that today by just simply bowing the knee to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're my Lord, and putting your trust in the sufficiency of his blood for us. And, and, and the Bible says that when you... Have put your trust in Jesus. The Bible says that His Spirit came inside of us and imparted to us Jesus' righteousness, making us righteous, right? So His blood was the payment, but it's the Spirit of God who literally comes inside of us, and Christ living on the inside of us makes us righteous. The Bible calls that being born again, right? And so because of that we've been learning and really over the last couple weeks we've been focusing on this reality that we are, we are perfect in Christ but we're also becoming perfect. That we are sanctified but we're being sanctified. That we are becoming who we already are. Because there's in our spirit we're righteous. In our spirit we're sinless but we still got this thing the Bible calls the flesh. And the moment you become a Christian battle begins, doesn't it, right? That in my spirit... I will be good because Christ is in me. My spirit is willing. That's why you love God. That's why you hate sin. Remember I said this a couple weeks ago that you're a bad sinner if you're a Christian. You hate it. You hate it. That's why you're a bad sinner. But, 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 but also there's this battle because your flesh wants to serve self. Your flesh wants to hold on to pride and defensiveness. And so there's this battle. And it's only by walking in the Spirit, only by surrendering and submitting to the truth of who we are in Christ that we become who we really are. Little by little, little by little, it's called the sanctification process in the Bible. A good, big old technical word there, but it's the process of becoming who we already are in Christ. And so, last week we, we said, well, how, do, how does that work? You become like Jesus by being with Jesus, right? It's not, if you're sinless, there's no rules, there's no laws. It's about the Jesus Christ, really, Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, empowering us to become like Him. Any amount of character in you, any amount of fulfillment of your calling is Christ. It's the manifestation of Him. He gets all the glory. He's the author. And he's the finisher of our faith, right? He's the beginning. He's the end. And He's everything in between. He's the means. He's the source. And He's literally the means. And He is the goal. It's all about Him. See, that's the mystery. Did you know that? That's the mystery of the world. I mean, this a mystery of uh, what's called the mystery of God or the mystery of Christ. That everything was made for Jesus. And God's eternal plan was to redeem everything and to bring all of us to Jesus as His inheritance. That we would belong to Jesus in an intimate relationship, one with Him. And that we would be completely conformed to the likeness of Christ. God doesn't want like nice people. It's not what gets him excited. It's not what pleases the Lord. Oh, yeah, nice people. He wants Christ. He wants Christ. So you don't know what love is except for the revelation of what love is in Christ. You don't know what truth is. We don't know. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. And yet we're justified freely by His grace through faith. He's redeemed us and restored us to His glory, and we're becoming more and more like Him from glory to glory. What God is looking for is Christ formed in us. So what does, what, what does Jesus do in order to make us like himself? It really is as simple as a relationship. How do you know somebody? How do I know my wife except for what she tells me, right? This is why we have the word of God. You can look at creation and see the glory of God. You can look at creation and see God's handiwork. But unless you know the artist of a painting. You don't know them, right? You can go through an art gallery and see the paintings and say, that's a cool painting. That's a good artist. And there's a lot of people who can look at creation and say, well, I know there's a God. I'm an agnostic, but I know there's a God out there, but they don't know him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus is the cure. Jesus is the reconciliation between us and the creator. So that now we don't just see the glory of God in creation. We know the glory of God in the gospel through the word of God. That, That just as now I'm, you know, I'm not just walking through the art gallery looking at the art paintings. I'm walking with the artist. He's showing me who he is. I don't know about Michelle. Like I read a book about her. I know her. And how do I know her in a deeper way? How is it that now we've been married almost 10 years and I would say that there's a depth more lately than ever before. Why? Because of deep vulnerability, sometimes hurting, hurtful and hurting vulnerability where we are deeply honest with one another and we work through those things and it brings wholeness and healing to our relationship through that deep, deep honesty of opening our hearts to one another, right? How do we know God except from his word? Word. Except that he would reveal himself to us by his word. This is what Jesus does. It's all about a relationship. It takes time. You got to hang out with him. Right? This is what we said last week. You become like Jesus by being with Jesus. It's that simple. You've got to spend exorbitant amounts of time with him. The more time you spend with him, the more you get to know him. The more you hang out with him, the more you'll become like him. It's that simple. It's not rules, it's not regulations. But it is all about consistency and discipline and being with him in his word, reading his word, meditating on his word, listening to his word, being preached to us from other people, praying his word out loud, which is basically, hey, you said this in your word, that's pretty cool. And we just start talking to him and we literally become like him as we just be with him in his word. I want to show you something from the word, from Hebrews 4, and I'll jump around to some other scriptures, about how it is that his word works in us to change us. Because it's very, very specific and, and, and there's so many different dynamics to this that, that I'm only going to show one particular thing. But I want to show you how is it that He uses His Word to change us and to heal us and to restore us and make us like Him. And what's our response to His Word? Like I said, this is just one aspect. And like I said last week, is it's really as simple as a relationship. But the why do we need to talk about, why is there so many metaphors in the Word of God? Why is there so many different dynamics to how this relationship works? Why? Because we need a renewed mind. Because we're so dysfunctional, we need to learn how this thing works. Jesus said it so simply. I said it last week. He said, Come to me. Hear my sayings. Do them. It really is that simple. But there's a dynamic to this. So look, look, look again at, at this uh, Hebrews 4 passage where he says, verse 12 For the word of God is living and powerful. Right? It's, it's alive. And it imparts life, and it's powerful and active and full of energy and power to transformative power, life-changing power and life-changing life. life. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, this is what we've been explaining for the last couple of weeks let me see if I can draw a little diagram, is that we as human beings, we have a physical body. We don't look like this, but I'm just going to show it like this. Okay, well, some of us might look more like that than others. Oh, but... Um, if we... J- okay, 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 fine, fine, fine. If it was Dave Turner, like that. Okay, but, um, okay there. Okay, but... Um, so... Okay, so we don't look like this, but I'm just representing the concept of who we are, right? right. We have a body. Let's say this is our body, right? And then, we, so that's the physical part of us, okay? Yes, your hands and your feet and all that, but also your muscle, your bone, your brain, right? That mushy thing up there that, okay, that like is awesome. Okay, that's your body. But then we have the not physical part of us, what the Bible calls our heart. Did you see that? It said in Hebrews right there that God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, it's not talking about, it can sometimes refer to the physical thing. We have a physical heart. But in the Bible, in Old Testament, New Testament, the heart is referring to the midst of us, the inside of us, that internal part of us that you cannot necessarily uh, 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 dissect. Okay, So so just like we would use the word... um, the heart of the matter, right? Or, or the, uh, the heart of an issue, right? Or the, uh, the heart of a watermelon. Does, does a watermelon have uh, four, va- you know, four compartments and valves and arteries? No, no, no. The heart of a watermelon, the, the midst of it, the inside of it, right? And so the Bible refers to your heart as the seat of your mind, will, and emotions, the inner being of who you are. And that's, the Old Testament kind of just did that, just your inner part and your outer part, right? your heart. Okay? And so you have a heart. Right? So it's, but it's not referring to your physical heart in this text. It's not refer, usually the Bible is not referring to that either. It's referring to the inner part of you. And what we've been seeing though is that we also in our heart, in the inner part of us, there's another dynamic going on. We have a spirit and we have a soul. So the, the way to really understand the spirit and the soul, again this is just to understand the concept, right, would be to understand that your spirit and your soul are in your heart. I don't know if you can see this in the text, but look look at that again. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, making a metaphor or a comparison to like bone right there, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why, Why does the author of Hebrews use the word spirit, soul, and heart all in the same text? Because there's a distinction between them. And you see this all throughout the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul says that God would sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. Why does he say that? Spirit, soul, body. That God is the one who is sanctifying us, making us more and more like Jesus, spirit, soul, and body in that particular order, saying from the inside of you to the outside of you. So th- there is in this passage, as well as other passages, where your, your spirit and your soul are described as being in the midst of you, in your Heart. And there are two components or two dynamics to your inner being. The spirit actually is called in, in 1 Peter uh, 3, the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart, hiding. Can't really see it or discern it. But your soul is not the hidden person of the heart, the outward person of the heart in that sense. Uh, your soul, the word soul actually is where we get the word "suke." Or, or I'm sorry, is the Greek word suke where we get our concept of psychology? What are you studying when you study psychology? What are counselors looking at? Are they dissecting your brain? Are they dissecting your physical heart? No. They are looking through observation at your mind, not necessarily your brain, right? Your brain is the physical, like, computer if you will, that runs all this stuff, but you have, your mind is more than your brain, right? Your mind, your will, your emotions. What does a therapist, come on, we all know what a counselor does, right? How does that make you feel, right? What are they doing? They're talking about your soul. They're talking about your suke They're a psychologist. And why is it that they can see your soul? Why is it that I can see your soul? Because the Bible says, out of the bones art the mouth speaks. The Bible says, the eyes are the window to the soul. I can look at you especially with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, using some spiritual gifts, and I can see what's going on in your soul. I can see by what you say, everything you say out of your mouth. I know what's going on inside of your heart, in your soul. Why? So a psychologist can ask you questions and help you to find out, you know, your, your feelings and your way you think. And, and there's behavioral therapy, right? That's referring to your will and your actions. There's cognitive theory, uh, therapy, which is dealing with your thoughts, and there is more of the emotional, how does it make you feel, you know, Scottish, right? All different theories of psychology that they're all focused on your soul, okay? Because it's not the hidden person of the heart. And so the soul, you could say mind, will, emotions, probably even your consciousness, your consciousness meaning, you know, you like the, the thing inside of you that that God put there to know what's right and wrong and that thing can actually be broken just like the rest of us, right? And, and we've talked about this, uh, that, that when, we, uh, when, we, when we sinned, when we rebelled against God, our spirit died and it fractured everything else in the midst of us. So our mind and our will and our emotions got all messed up because our spirit was dead. Because our spirit is the, is the, is the uh, breath of God, the essence of God on the inside of us. And our spirit was created for, for us to be like the source from which we live, uh, w- in which God gives us life. And so when Jesus resurrected us, when, when, we be, when we put our trust in Jesus, as you remember, we've been talking about this, that our spirit was born again. The Bible makes it very clear that, that, that it's in your, your spirit, that the Holy Spirit and your spirit are one, First Corinthians 6, that your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, your spirit is righteous because of the life of Christ on the inside of you. But the Bible makes it very clear that we still have our mind that needs to be renewed. The Bible literally says that our soul still needs to be saved. (laughs) That sounds funny, right? It's because we usually think of saved like go to heaven or not go to heaven, right? But the Bible literally uses the word saved to refer to the fact that our soul still needs to be redeemed, to be renewed, to be sanctified, to be delivered from the things of this world. And our soul is the medium between our spirit and our body and the rest of the world, like I said, like, I'm talking to you right now. You're hearing my voice, right? Physically, you're hearing my my physical body make sounds, but you're hearing what's coming out of my soul. It's the medium. And so that's why, like, that's why you say dumb things to your spouse, right? That's why you think wrong thoughts, because it's all coming through your broken uh, soul, okay? <laughs> and that's why, um, and so here, here's the deal. So, uh... A psychologist can look at these things, but they don't know, they can't see your spirit. The only person, the only thing that can show us who we are in our spirit is the word of God. That's why it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Only the word of God can reveal to us who we are in Christ. And this word of God actually makes this cutting The Word of God is like this surgical tool, the the greatest, most uh, powerful, accurate surgical tool to actually make a distinction of who we are. And it's only by the Word of God that we can really see what Jesus has done. It goes back to what I said. You can look at creation, you can see God, but you don't know who you are except by the Word of God. You don't know what Jesus has done in you except from what the Word has said about you, that your spirit is now born again. And that you're sinless and righteous. You wouldn't have known that, except that the Word of God says it. You know, how come Dave Turner can say those kinds of things? Is it like nice little pop religion, positive thinking? No, it's in the Word. It's in the Word. It's what the Word of God says about who you are in your spirit. And you say, but I still have this struggle going on inside of me because you still have a soul and a body and the, and the Bible, basically when the Bible uses the word flesh, is referring to the soul and the body, the realm of the not God part. <laughs> you know, the part that's still got some issues here. And what the Lord wants to do is He wants to sanctify and cleanse and purify and redeem all of this. So that's what 1 Thessalonians 5 is talking about. Literally the life of Christ on the inside of us, we've talked about this kind of like a seed of righteousness, producing God's fruit and changing and transforming us and then changing and transforming the world around us, God producing the, the, the seed of Christ, you know the who He is living inside of us, producing the fruit of Christ, the fruit of righteousness, and changing us, changing the way we think, the way we feel, the way we see things. So that here's the goal, obviously, that our will would be completely aligned with the will of God, that we'd be completely uh, His in every way, and He could utilize us to be able to transform the world. Now, like I said, this is just a diagram. the way we'd probably be better to think about this would be to think of it like how you have a skeleton that runs throughout your whole body you have muscles that run throughout your whole body you have a nervous system that runs throughout your whole body it's probably the same way with your spirit and your soul they're literally intertwined like bone and marrow and they're literally running through your whole body i wouldn't think of it like a little blob or a little man inside of you that's kind of weird um but think of it more like a very integrated system god's brilliant isn't he and of course, that's why emotional things affects physical body, and physical body affects emotions and chemistry and brain chemistry, etc., etc. And so we need that. It's in this area that demons can mess with you and things like that, that we need to get things dealt with. It's in that area that you have issues maybe from your past that God needs to heal you. It's in this, it's, it's, it's because of this soul issue why we might need counseling, not, not humanistic counseling, but we need somebody, or whether it be like this, in this setting, or a one-on-one, either way, it's all good, uh, or in a group or something, people who can help us to see who we are in Christ, and then we can help and help us to deal with some of these things going on in our soul. <clears throat> but if you have, like, a counselor who's just focused on your... Behavior or your thoughts, and they don't know who you are in Christ, it's not going to help you to really overcome. In fact, it can be actually very detrimental because you begin to focus on your problems, yourself, your past, and you get stuck there. Here's what he does this is what the Lord does. Just notice what it says The word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword that's kind of frightening a little bit yeah like whoa wait a minute the word's like a sword yeah that means like when you're hearing the word preached to you yeah jesus coming at you with a sword right like revelation one he's got a sword in his sticking out of his mouth same word double-edged sword coming at you right yeah a lot of christians they think jesus got a fork in his mouth Feed feed me right no dude he's coming at you with a sword that was funny you know no, I'm just messing, right? Did you get that? Fork. No, he doesn't have a fork in his mouth or a feather or something like that, you know? Make me feel good, you know? Feed me, feed me. Pastor, I don't feel fed. Do you feel cut? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, that's what people should do. Uh, why'd you leave that church? I wasn't getting cut enough. Now, that would be good, huh? <laughs> I need to get cut with the Word. The Word of God is a sword. There's other metaphors for the Word that are very, very important. Light. A mirror, a lot of, a seed, okay? But think about this here the word of God is coming at you like a sword. Now listen to what it says here in verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. That's not a typo. Who's it talking about? Jesus, right? He is the word. That's why the word is living. The the written word of God, written by the Holy Spirit through human beings, is not like any other book in the universe, yeah? It's not like any other book ever written. It's not a novel. It's not a fiction book. It's not a textbook. This is the word of God. He spoke this by his spirit and wrote it down through human beings. This is a beautiful mystery. And Jesus himself is the word. So the written word is like an extension of who he is. Like I said, like my wife telling me things about herself. Her words are an extension, an expression of who she is. How do you know someone except by their words. So this is Jesus revealing himself to us, speaking to us who he is, and it's literally the word of God, powerful and living and active and life-changing, coming at us like a sword. And you notice what it says here, that no creature can be hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's a piercing, there's a searching that happens with the sword of God's word. Here's, here's what happens. The word of God comes at us, to cut at this this dynamic right here, makes a division between soul and spirit and searches the intents and the thoughts, the motives, the desires, not the what we do, but the why I do it deep inside of what's going on inside of me. Now remember when Jesus said in Matthew 26, he he said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's the sword of the word cutting and making a division right remember when paul we, we looked at this when paul says man man I, I got sin in me but it's my flesh it's not me anymore it's my flesh but my inner man is the one who wills to do good and remember paul he was he was describing how there's this battle going on inside of him in romans 7 but that the sin is in his flesh But he was saying, my inner man wills to do good. What was Paul doing? Paul was allowing the word of God to make a division, and he was showing us how to do it ourselves. Romans 7, where he understands, yeah, yeah, I got some stuff going on in here, but that's not who I am anymore in Christ. I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to God. I'm a new creation. The old things have passed away, but the new have come. I'm a new creation. In my inner man, I will to do good. My spirit is willing, and this is what Jesus was doing. He speaks to people, and when the word of God goes forth, he reveals to you <clears throat> who you are in Christ. And he empowers you to walk with him. It's the grace of God empowering you. And Jesus says to you, <clears throat> you are willing. Your spirit is willing because I am in you. I am empowering you. I am working in you to will and to do. I delight in you right now, even in your struggles, because you're sinless and you're righteous. Right? This is what, come on, the Apostle Paul, every one of his letters, who was he writing to? He was writing to Christians. He was writing to people who were already born again, and what was he doing? He was preaching the gospel to them. It's the sword of the word. Remember in, in the Corinthian church, how they were dealing with sin? I mean, boy, were they dealing with some sin issues, okay? And these Corinthian people, Paul literally says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, hey, let me, I want you to understand, no greedy person, right? No person who's a lover of money, who's an idolater, who, who's, a, who's you know, walking in sexual morality, you know, sodomite, you know, he just lists a bunch of stuff, like pretty hardcore, and he goes, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And you're like, ouch, dang, right? that's freaky, right? And then the moment, that, right after he says that, in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, and such were some of you, but not anymore. And then he begins to speak to these Corinthians, who obviously have issues going on in their life and in their church. Lots of pride and division, there was some sexual morality going on. They were former prostitutes and for, former male and, and female prostitutes and all this stuff going on. Craziness going on. Worshipping idols and all this kind of stuff, right? And, and he says to them, that's who you were. But now, he says in 1 Corinthians 6, now you are justified. You are sanctified. You are righteous. That's what he's saying. That's what justification. You are righteous. You are holy. That's who you are. Then he goes on. He says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is one with your spirit. It's who you are. So don't give your body to those things. Don't give your body to sexual morality. What is he doing? Sword of the Spirit. He's showing them you are a temple of the Spirit. He's one with your Spirit. You're righteous. You're perfect in Christ. So don't give yourself to those things anymore. Sword of the Spirit. He makes a division. See, when the word of God comes to you, when Jesus speaks to you from his word, again, I mean, you could be reading your Bible, listen to a sermon, whatever. I mean, the means, whatever. It could be any of the means of how the word of God comes to you. When the word of God comes to you, he comes to you, he comes to you you like a sword. Jesus speaks to you from the word of God. and cuts and makes division. And so on one hand, builds up your faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Builds up your faith, feeds your spirit and your life. Yeah, he likes me, right? That's if you're hearing the gospel. If you're hearing a false gospel, there lots of false gospels out there, you're gonna end up with shame and condemnation, all that kind of stuff. And, and 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 justify sin and justify your defeatedness. But if you're hearing the true gospel, then you walk away going, I no longer live, it's Christ who lives in me. If I walk in the spirit, I won't gratify the crazy civil nature, right? I'm not gonna sin if I'm walking in the spirit. Because I'm dead to sin. And so in Romans 6, Paul says, think this way, guys. Think this way. Align with God's reality that you are dead to sin. Has no power over you anymore. And you're alive to God. That means you have power and victory over sin. Think that way. Think that way. Think that way. This is what Paul is trying to teach the church. Because the word of God goes forth and empowers you. Right? The one who spoke the world into existence. The one who told lame people to walk and cripples to walk. Just joking. Okay. Uh, Is the one who says to you, go and sin no more. Right? Is the one who says you are righteous. Now live that way. He empowers you to be who you already are. But it's the same word. Listen, it's the same word and the same person that when it cuts, it cuts at your soul and makes a division and exposes things going on inside of you. Now, a lot of times you'll hear Christians say, uh, God doesn't condemn, like the Spirit doesn't condemn, the Spirit convicts. You ever hear that? We'll, We'll talk about condemnation versus conviction. I'll be honest with you. I think that that word doesn't really help people very much. The word convict, you know, like convict, what are we, convicts or something like that, right? No. Is it conviction? Like, I have a conviction, you know, I'm never going to, I believe something, right? Yeah, you can use the word conviction, but that's not what it means. That's not what the word means. And, and, the, and the Bible will say the Holy Spirit will come, Jesus said, right? The Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the word is there in the Bible, and that's usually where we pick it up from. We go, oh, okay. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts us. He doesn't condemn us. Well, Amen. Amen. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus, if you're a son or a daughter of God, you're a son or daughter of God. You're born again. You've been adopted. It's not like when you say, sin- you know, my son, you know, he just did something really bad last week. And I just, I just drove him down to the adoption agency in L.A. and just, you know, changed the name. Forget him, you know. Well, And then I got over it, and you know, I wasn't mad anymore, so I adopted him back. A lot of people, it's like, saved, not saved, saved, not saved, saved, not saved. I mean, oh, my goodness, no wonder your emotions are like, yo—you believe that kind of thing, right? No, you were adopted. You're adopted, right? You're in the family. Yeah, you can sin in your flesh, and you got some problems going on, right? God's got some stupid kids, but they're still His kids, okay? Right? They're still His kids. You are a child of God. He loves you and He delights in you, even in the struggle, because you're born again, not by your own righteousness, but because of Jesus. And in your spirit, you will to do good. But the Spirit convicts. The Word comes at us and shows us who we are in Christ and exposes stuff that's going on that's not of Him. The word convict literally just means to expose. In fact, I don't think I'm going to use the word convict anymore except that christians use that word a lot you know people will say will say god doesn't condemn he convicts cool but let me explain to you what that word really means go to hebrews chapter 12 and let me show you what that word really means and we'll kind of change our language a little bit here because i want you to understand this dynamic and i'll kind of show you how this is operating <clears throat> So watch, watch this in, um, in verse 5, Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten, this is kind of somewhat of a correction here, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. God speaks to us as sons and daughters. It means referring to us being adopted as the children of God. You're living in the Father's house and He loves you and delights in you and forgiven. And he, this is what He says to you. My son, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord or the discipline of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Do you know what the word convict is in this? In this I mean, the Greek word. The same word that is used to, for other times in the Bible says convict or, the, or conviction, it's rebuked. The word convict means to expose something. It means to correct or rebuke. I think this is the better way we should say it from now on. God does not condemn because condemnation is, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, I don't love you, you're never going to change. I mean, that's basically condemnation. No, that's not, he doesn't talk like that to, to us because that's not who we are in Christ. No, he speaks to us of who we are in Christ. And every time the word of God comes to you, he's going to make a division and show you who are in Christ. But the word of God also comes and corrects. No condemnation. But oh, does he correct. And he exposes sin. That's going on in our flesh. And he hates it. He Loves us. And he hates it. Bible says that he comes and he prunes dead things in our life. So that there be more fruit. Jesus said he's the light. Came to expose, convict of sin. And people who hate the light hide because they don't want their sin to be exposed or convicted. It's the same word. They don't want correction. What does Proverbs say? The fear of the Lord is being of wisdom, but what? Fools hate correction. What is going on at the heart of people who don't want to get honest with God? They don't know Hebrews 12. That He loves you. He loves those He disciplines, and He only brought it up because He has received you as His own. Come on, if He didn't like you, He'd just leave you in the mess you were. Shoot, I ain't going to tell them, because they're going to mess up their own life, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? God's like some meanie or something like that, and I, it's hilarious, you know, the the moment you're like, oh my goodness, I see sin in me, you know? You know, like, I've been a Christian for 20 years and I didn't even realize I had this junk going on inside of me. You're like, yeah, he did. (laughs) Oh no, does God love me? Uh, He only told you because he likes you. You're probably hiding from it for 20 years, but you know, that's cool. He still loves you. He only told you because he likes you. Does it make sense? He loves you. He already knew it was there. And the word of God comes through. The Bible says the entrance of the word brings light. More word, more light. More word. More light in your spirit to know who you are in Christ. More word, more light in your soul to know junk that's going on in there so that you can repent. The answer of the word brings light. His word to you is like a sword or like light coming to expose these things. Light exposes the truth and light exposes the lie. The issue is most of us many times don't flood our hearts with the word and or hide from it. We are really good at mental gymnastics, aren't we? We're like the Matrix, wow, you know. Just avoid that, you know. Oh, I didn't like that word. I'm going to another church. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like. I, I didn't get it. I, I just didn't understand the message. You know, I, just, I didn't get it. You know, I mean, I was just wondering when lunch was coming. I didn't get it. Yeah, right. Matrix, wow, you know. Yeah. You're right, Jesus said there's four different types of soil. The hard soil. Yeah, I didn't like that sermon. You know? The rocky soil, the thorny soil, the good soil. He wants to speak to you. He wants to cut away things that are not life to you. He wants to expose lies you believe, cut away the false self. He wants to set you free from those things that are ensnaring you. Demonic things, lies, bondages, sin hidden issues in your life that he wants to cut away and deliver you what do you do you just show up come to jesus and you submit to the cutting of his word you know you don't grab the rusty knife and try to cut yourself open you know but you just come and you lay on the gurney you go yeah just just have whatever just do it you know you just come and let the surgeon who knows how to cut away and show you this is who you are in christ this is who you are. That's not who you're. You're not that sinner anymore. Now walk worthy of the calling that you've received. Walk worthy of this. This is not who you are. This is who you are, right? I remember uh, uh, probably the time I've been corrected the worst. The best. I don't know. What do you call that? The best or the worst? <laughs> Both. Yeah. It's like a sword. Ouch. You know. Uh, I was. Uh, I still remember where I was. I remember all the details. It's just like really... I mean, the Lord's corrected me a lot because He likes me. He loves me. He tells me what's going on in my life. (laughs) and uh, (laughs) um, So I remember I was on my face in a prayer room at Life Pacific College where I was a student there. I think I was a senior. I was full of pride. And and, uh, I... I had, I had some major, I loved the Lord, you know, and I was um, seeking the Lord with all my heart, but man, did I have some Pharisee issues, I had some pride, I had, uh, uh, I didn't know that, and um, I just had so many anger issues, you know, not just because of my upbringing, but just because of my own choice, and fears of rejection that would cause me to judge others, you know, reject others before they can reject you, that was, it's really a good motto, actually, so, just joking, that was a joke for those of you who don't get that part, um, so some people are like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I remember uh, being in the perm and I was going through the book of Ephesians, you know. And that. Memorizing it, study it in the Greek, you know all that kind of stuff. It's a good book, by the way, too. And and um, I'm praying it because lots of prayers in Ephesians. And I'm praying it, and so I was praying for Jesus Church, and I was praying for the church because I was mad at the church, and uh, just you know, God change your church and you know sanctify your bride and da And I don't know, I was probably some sort of judgment coming out of my mouth. And I'm telling you, I mean, Jesus came. He looked me in the face, you know, and that what I mean by that is not like physically but like spiritually you know what's going on, you know he's there. He's and he just said, "I love my church." I mean, I never felt more scared. Like I was freaked out. I never felt more loved. Totally. Well, like it's condemnation, you don't feel loved, right? It's not condemnation. It's, it's rebuke. It's correction. It's conviction. Conviction is intense. He came and he said, "I love my church, dude." He was like, "You better stop it. You need to stop. Your heart's wrong." And I repented right then. I repented. I said, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, give me give me your love for your church. And I remember, uh, you know, two years later, praying for the church and man, you know, I pastoring people and i felt so much affection and love for the church the lord had broken off so much of the anger still i'm still growing obviously but just in two years the lord had just given me his heart full of compassion for his church real desire for his church not anger not oh, Then you know, the church, need to do the. You know what I'm saying? I like Jesus, but I don't like Christians. You know, I just, I don't, I didn't. No longer thought like that. Didn't think. I didn't. Didn't judge people. I remember being in a room with some people who were speaking critical about other Christians in the church. I was so freaked out because God had so delivered me from Phariseeism that it was like you know what i mean it's like a man who gets free from alcohol you just don't go near the bar and a man who gets free from lust you just don't go there you know what i'm saying and jesus set me free from that kind of stuff you're like i ain't going there right man i got around some judgmental people and i was like ah and i i literally was i was like uh-huh yeah i was freaked out because I, I didn't want to fall back into my sin you know i, was like, I don't want to go down that road and the lord had dealt with me so much Here's what I want to I focus on and just end with this. What do you do when he corrects you? Or, or, or speaks to who you are in your spirit? What happens when the word of God comes to you? I just want to say it this way, and I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it with some verses. You agree with him. That's it. You agree with him. It's his power and his truth changing you. You agree with him. So there's actually, there's a word in the Bible called confess, okay? Confess or confession, okay? So he wants to convict, and you need to confess. There's a word in the Bible called confess or confession. And, and that word is, it's the same word in all the different contexts, and yet it's, all, the dynamic is different in different contexts, okay? So check, check this out, like, you can look there if you want, but Romans 10, okay? Romans 10, we know this one, for this is the word of faith. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess, right? What what is it talking about? The word of faith. This is the word of our faith that we believe something in our heart and we confess it, publicly declare it out loud. And what are we declaring? That God raised Jesus from the dead, that we're saved. There's a word of our faith. What, What was Paul saying? Come on, guys, consider yourself to sin and confess that reality out loud. This is what meditation is. This is what declaration. We use all those kind of words, meditate, declare, you know, confess, whatever. What are we trying to say? Really simplify comes down to agree with God. So when God says to you, you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, you do this. Yes. You put a big yes on your spirit and you say, I agree with you. What you say is true before you feel it, before you experience it, before you have fruit. But I'm still struggling with my sin. Great. S- agree with God. A seed has to go into the ground and be covered and hidden before it grows and bears fruit, right? That's the way faith works. The word of faith that we confess something. Now, what's interesting is you jump over to 1 John 1, and it's the same word. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Same Greek word, same English, but same Greek word. You know what the word literally means here and in that other context? It comes from the Greek word hama Homo same homo sapien, right? And logos word. It means to say the same word as God, literally to agree. That's what you're doing when you're confessing. So when he says to you, I died for you, and you're saying, yes, you died for me. You rose again. You are my Lord. You are coming into agreement with what is reality. Because isn't Jesus Christ Lord, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? Yep, yep, you were right. One day. One day. God will be glorified. And one day, didn't it say in Hebrews 4, that one day the, the sword of the word, Jesus Christ himself, everyone will stand before him and nobody can hide from him. And he will cause everyone to give an account to him, right? Because the word is the ledger and your life is your bank account, right? If you, you know those, those of you who might be accountants, what does an accountant do? They make an account, right? They measure what should be with what is and they audit one day we will all be audited, and guess what? We will be audited against the Word. Him. And you will stand before Him. He knows everything and every intent of your heart, and He will search, and your life will be lined up to the Word of God. And you will be audited. And what the Bible is saying is that here on earth, before you see it and feel it and all that stuff, that you confess it and you come into agreement with God and say the same word as God. So what do you do when there's sin in your life? What do you do when you think that judgmental thought to somebody, towards somebody in the church? What happens when you entertain some impure thought? What happens when you say something rude to somebody? Or what happens when, like I said, Jesus comes to you and says, I want to deal with this issue in your life. You, know, you didn't even realize it. but man, there's so much pride in you. I've told you before that one time I'm, I'm in a class and the teacher was talking about something, and it was definitely bothering me. And I go into my room to go talk to the Lord, and the Lord literally was like a spiritual mirror. He just put a mirror in my face and said, this is you. You're full of selfish ambition. You've made everything about you. You've made ministry about you. No, no, not me, Jesus. I love you. It's all about you, Jesus. And he said, no, it's all about you. It's all in the same time. And he was telling me about the church thing, too. It all came at once. No, <laughs> so we're just going to deal with this. And what do you do when he shows you something you didn't even realize was there? Oh, condemnation, shame, beat yourself up, right? Because that's what agreeing with God is. No, there's no condemnation. That's not agreeing with God. That's just a great way to never deal with your issues. You agree with Him. You say, yeah, that's sin. That's pride. And you say, I agree with you. When the sword of God's word comes to you and reveals to you who you are in your spirit, you say, yes, I agree with you. That's who I am in Christ. And you declare it and you confess it and you say it back to God. And when he reveals something going on inside of you, you say, yes, that is the hidden motive of my heart. And I hate it and I repent and I renounce it. And then you cry out to God and you ask Him for help. You say, God, I need wisdom. I need your grace. And that's what it says here. If you noticed in Hebrews 4, it says it this right there. He goes, He goes in Hebrews 4. He says, So let us, he says, um, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is he talking about? Our confession of faith. Of who we are in christ and what christ has done for us you hold fast to that promise that god has made to you remember we talked about how his promise brings us into his very nature calls forth our destiny. God. and then he says for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but in all points tempted as we are yet without sin so let us come boldly to the throne of grace boldly to the throne of grace you say yes i'm forgiven i'm righteous i thank you Lord, for the blood of jesus i'm sinless And you run to him and you say, I need your help. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. His word comes to you, and you just put a big old yes in your spirit, and you agree with him. And you out loud confess. When God says this is sin, you say, You're right. And when God says, who are you in Christ, you say, yeah, you're right, and I believe you. I'm telling you, if you do that, the word of God is like medicine. There's no side effects. He will release healing and power in your life and transform you. Why? Because the word of God is life and power. But what happens? You don't want to deal with it? You'll stand before him, and you'll give an account. The point is to say, me now. Shock me now. Because if, you'll, if the Lord will speak to you about something, and you'll agree with Him, you won't be shocked on that day. You won't go, oh yeah, I didn't want to deal with that. You won't like that. But right here, right now, the Lord in His grace and His mercy wants to expose those things in your heart. He wants to cut those things away and bring life to you. And all you need to do is set the sincere intention of your heart to say, yes, I agree with you. Change me. Change me. And he'll show you when you don't really mean it. You know, he'll show you when it's just saying it. <clears throat> this is what I've done before the Lord. I mean, there was times I didn't feel like God loved me. I didn't, I didn't believe it. But I heard the gospel preached to me. Struggling with shame. And I listened to the word of God. I said, oh, I, I, don't, I don't even believe this, God. I mean, I'm just, I just have this policy with God. I'm super honest. And I don't mean I blame him and call that honesty. I mean like, God, I, 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 don't, I don't even believe this. This doesn't even register in my heart, Lord. And I say, but, but your word is true. I agree with you. And in my brokenness, in my stubbornness, in my skepticism, I have thoughts like the rest of you. I have struggles like the rest of you. But in that place I said, I will only say what you say. And the Bible says if you'll endure with patient faith, the same kind of faith in the third quarter when you're losing is the first quarter when you're winning and you have that patient faith to say, God, I'm only going to say what you say. I'm going to agree with you. And then as you're doing that and you come to God and he says, you know what? He says, David, You're offended at me. You believe lies. You think I'm the one who's done these things, or you think I'm the one who's analyzing and condemning you. That's not me. You believe lies, David. And I go, I do? Oh, God. And I agree with him. And that's what has transformed my life, to break judgment and criticism in me, to break fears of rejection and fears of failure in me, to break lust or impurity, break anger, addiction to anger in my life, and to cause me to do what? Learn to love. To trust Him and to just love. Amen? Because that's the whole point. Faith working itself out in love. Let's go ahead and stand and agree with God. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Let's just agree with the Lord right now. Just begin to talk to the Lord out loud. Remember, confession is out loud. It's out loud. Just underneath your breath, begin to confess to the Lord that you agree with Him. Just say, thank you, Lord, for your word. You don't have to repeat after me. Just pray in your own words. Just talk to Him. This is why we make declarations. This is why we worship. This is why we sing songs to God. We're agreeing with Him. Just tell the Lord right now, I agree with you. I believe your word. Just begin to thank Him for your identity in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm dead to sin and alive to God. Thank you that you love me and delight in me, that I'm forgiven of every sin, that I'm righteous in Christ. Just begin to speak those truths out to the Lord. If there's some area where you're not believing Him, you're struggling in your faith, just speak that over your heart. Say, Lord, I don't need to be anxious. You're my dad. You love me. You're going to take care of me. You've made promises to me. Begin to declare over your heart the promises of God for you. The promises of God and the destiny of God over your life. ask the Lord to search you. Say, Lord, search me. Search me and know me. Let the light of your word expose things that are not of you. Come, Lord, just invite him. Just agree with the searching of God. Agree. Submit to the cutting of his word. Say, yes, Lord. Cut away the things that are death to me. Tell the Lord it's worth it. It's worth it to learn humility. It's worth it to go through the trials that you would refine my character. It's worth it to to embrace the testing of my patience. It's worth it, God, because I want to trust you and to love like you love. Tell the Lord, say, not my will, but your will be done. I align my will with your will sanctify me cleanse me form yourself in me Jesus just talk to the Lord right now and tell him that if there's some area that as as you just listened to the Word of God today maybe God was shining on some area that you've been hiding or afraid to, to deal with might not even be a sin issue but maybe some fear that you're not trusting the Lord in bring it before the Lord right now confess it as sin or unbelief or whatever it would be and just say Lord I need your grace I need your strength help me to trust you to follow you to love some unforgiveness in your heart ask the Lord just tell him right now I confess that's unforgiveness and bitterness and just ask the Lord help me to forgive like you've forgiven me help me to be a man or a woman of grace bring reconciliation in my relationships just ask the Lord right now agree with God right now Thank thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord We're going to have prayer teams here in just a second. We're going to wrap up and we're going to have prayer teams in the back. And But if there is, if there is unforgiveness in your heart, I sense, I sense some people right now as we were praying, uh, some issues of unforgiveness. Now the Lord just wants to forgive you, forgive you. I'm sorry. who just wants to free you from that. Forgiveness doesn't say that the, that the, that the uh, offense was, was okay. Just releases it to the Lord. If you're dealing with unforgiveness, the Lord wants to to minister to you on that. If it's with your mom, even specifically, the Lord wants to minister to you. And so just encourage you, if you if you're a mom and you want a blessing from the prayer teams, or if you're dealing with forgiving your own mom or forgiving anyone, I want to encourage you to go back to the prayer teams. Maybe a married couple where you just need to deal with that. The prayer teams are there for you. Maybe even an offense towards God. Where you you are blaming God for that? It's it's not wrong to be mad at God. It's just He didn't do it. He's a good God, and we need to release those things to Him and receive His goodness. And so, that if you're struggling with, the Lord wants to set you free. And I also sense that there was somebody here with a, a problem with your left eye. Maybe maybe some maybe like a something I saw like a line over the eye. Maybe a blindness or maybe a cut or a line over that left eye. And if that's you, we'd love to just pray for your ministry because the Lord wants to release healing in that eye. But this week, you stand in faith, amen? You agree with God and you persevere. You persevere. Man, you know, the Lord has set me free from so much fears, so much fear of failure, which is such a deep issue in my life. And I've just walked in such confidence. And yet this week, I I felt so anxious. I haven't felt that way for a while. Like God, yeah, what's going on? I don't like this feeling. I like to better being free from that, right? Like, oh, I remember what this feels like. What did I do? I didn't do it perfectly. I just took the Word of God. I went back to His promises. I went back to His Word. You know what else I did? I went back to the Word, the corrections that He's brought me. He said, "David, get your eyes off yourself. Endure in faith, David." And I had to go back and I had to stand on that Word. This is how we gain victory, amen? By faith. So stand in that. Worship team's gonna lead us in worship. There's prayer teams in the back. If you need you're free to go. Bless, you have a great Mother's Day, go be a blessing. Men, call your moms, right? And uh and women, I guess. Call your moms. But oh yeah.